from the William Hill Sportsbook at Silver 7's Hotel and Casino, it's Cofield and Company. Here we go, 4 o'clock hour, so Big 5 at 4 is coming up. On the road, Silver 7's, Adam Candy is the company. We're rolling live right now up on Facebook and Twitter and YouTube. Let's fix that screen. There we go. That's better. Candy, 77-cent beers at Silver 7, starting tonight for all NFL games. My Lord. Football is great. 77 cents. You heard him correctly. Yes. 77 cents. Think about it. You you hit that second beer, you hit that third beer, and you're like, I don't know, man. Do I want to keep paying for this? You can drink your face off, and you have plenty of money left for the uh, Lyft or Uber or taxi home. Come on. It's easy. Battled Born Injury Lawyers presents the Big Five at Four. Number five. We talk a lot of fantasy football on the show. One, because we're competitive. Two, because it's gambling. I don't know that we're that concerned, Candy, about flashing our football knowledge. Because fantasy football, it's a fantasy. It ain't real football. But I thought it was pretty interesting. Um, on one of our favorite sites, uh, Jason Barrett's site, a dude wrote that media should be required to share fantasy league final results. I don't know if he was trolling. I read through it. It was one of the dumber things I've read this week. Do you believe that? That Hey, you guys need to be called on the carpet for your football knowledge. If you're going to question John Gruden, let's see your fantasy team. Yeah. Um, Same thing. That's pretty much it, right? Like, you can judge how smart I am on my takes by my fantasy team. Got it. So, you think that the way that I was managing the late-night happy hour football draft where I took care of, like, five minutes of it in a parking lot, 20 minutes of it in the drive through waiting for food, that determines my knowledge that you should be uh, grading me on, huh? Yeah. Cool story, bro. You don't know anything about real football because your fantasy football team. I got team. a double-double prize. Well done. Thanks. Sorry, what? <laughs> 43. Wait, who am I bidding on? <laughs> your team actually turned out pretty good uh well a couple of things came out in the story uh the guy said uh i quit playing years ago uh, as a lifelong suffering jets fan i found myself either not taking dolphins players or bills players I'm like bro then you can't play fantasy football and you're not interested in competing and you're not interested in gambling so right off the bat you know nothing about fantasy football if you're allowing your fandom to get involved i don't give a rat's ass if if the best player available is a dolphin a bill, a, a, a Patriots player, and, oh, they're playing the – what, am I going to sit them? No, I'm trying to win money. I'm trying to win. The Come idea on. that I couldn't bet against the New York Giants, like, I know how bad my team is. That's half the fun. Like, I know that I can at least enjoy watching the game because I can bet against them because I know what's going to happen in certain situations. Well, no air quotes, of course. But, yeah, come on, man. Money has no affiliation to a team. This, uh, this person finished up by writing the sports guys who go on the air and can fix the lineup, solve the power play, scheme a new defensive front, all without ever going to practice. Wait, what's going on here? By the way, this guy's a PD at a sports station. Like, he's a program director. Could you hate your staff anymore? 
and he should know much of what we do on the air. We have opinions, but I'm not ever going to sit here and say that 100% I know more football than any head coach or assistant coach or any of that. And anyone who's saying that, it's a bit. And if people buy into it, like program directors, it's a really good bit. Come on. Number four. Already sent over the headline earlier today. There's a chance Le'Veon Bell will play Monday against the Raiders. My first reaction was, get out of here. But now a lot of things have changed for the Ravens. I can't imagine that Le'Veon Bell will be ready to go less than a week after signing. But what do you think? Are they actually going to have to have him out there because Gus Edwards may be down for the season? That injury was reported earlier today. Marcus Peters, defensive side of the ball. Maybe down for the season as well. A disastrous day for the Ravens, but so much so that they're actually going to possibly play Bell and Devontae Freeman, who they signed today. Tyson Johnson is supposed to get some run uh, as well for Baltimore. Look, this is going to be the ultimate test of modern analytics and the idea that running backs don't matter. And I happen to agree with the idea that in the end, the difference from a top running back to a replacement level running back is a lot smaller than it is at some other positions like wide receiver, like cornerback, and obviously like quarterback. So if Le'Veon Bell gets out there, Gus Bradley, the Raiders defensive coordinator, should be thrilled because Le'Veon Bell looked like he had absolutely nothing left when it came to his time in Kansas City last year. So call up that PD, uh, tell him that I don't have Le'Veon Bell on my fantasy roster, and uh, we can check the stats at the end of the year. Number three. You clearly know nothing about football and should not be on the air. Uh, Creepy or incredibly exhilarating? Did you see the video of some fella making a gigantic photo of Derek Carr's face? I guess it wouldn't be a photo, but a picture of Derek Carr's face using Rubik's Cubes. Oh, boy. Hmm. All right. I will preface this by saying that one of my favorite art installations in all the world uh, is at a brewery in San Diego in which they took like a 50-foot high wall, used all post-it notes, and created Michael Jackson and Bubbles. It is one of the greatest things I've ever seen. That's a little creepy. This is kind of cool, I guess. Um, I think the most remarkable part is that Derek Carr doesn't usually generate this kind of positive interaction with fans. Like, I think the Raiders fans who like Derek Carr just kind of like, yeah, he's cool. We can kind of win with him. And the ones who don't like Derek Carr are the ones who are throwing things at him when they're leaving Oakland Coliseum at the end of their time there. So I guess it's kind of interesting that uh, someone cared enough about Derek Carr to use the Rubik's Cubes. What do you think of the hairline? That was my biggest concern. A lot of hair. Well, listen, if you are a fan and you care enough to make Derek Carr out of Rubik's Cubes, you're not going to troll him with, like, the Ron Popeil spray hair. Come on. No, you're going to give him – his hairline is going to be just above his eyebrows. It's not going to be fading backwards. No, look, dude, it's going to be like LeBron in his dreams, right? Like, the one (laughs) thing LeBron can't fix in all of his wonderful world is the hairline. Like, Carlos Boozer is going to look at that and go, eh, maybe a little much. Number two. We got the stadium. The city is open. People are fired up, putting up record gambling numbers the last couple of months in Sin City. And we got the NFL and the Raiders. Every Raiders home game weekend is going to be freaking awesome. 
Yeah! People get to keep their jobs. Everyone's making money. We're back, baby! Every Raider home game weekend is going to be awesome. Except Ari says that the Philly Eagle weekend here is going to be a disaster. Why is that, Ari? Uh, I was taking exactly what Adam Hill said about a month ago. You always accuse me of not listening. And Adam, I actually made a promo out of it. Adam specified that the 24th will be a real fun day because, what is it, the Eagles will be here. Uh, was it the Islanders for a hockey game? They're real fun. And I believe uh, EDC or, or oh one boy. other thing that's going to – there's all kinds of crazy stuff going on. So <clears throat> not be me, me being negative, simply uh, pointing out something I heard from a reputable source. Candy, what do you think about sending over stories that you heard from someone else? From our co-host. Come on. Especially saying, I'm not being negative, and yet quoting maybe the most negative human being on the face of the earth by saying, I'm not negative. It's that Adam Hill is negative. Yeah. I'm going along with that. Listen, man, don't talk about any Raiders game at home this year in terms of the crowd. If you lived here during the NBA All-Star game, you know that whatever you think might happen during a Raiders game will never in a million years compare to what went on during that weekend. It's going to be fine. It'll be awesome. And again, I will stand up for Philadelphia fans, and I'm kind of rolling all of us in to the same convo here, Candy. You're a New York guy. I'm a New Jersey guy. There's a lot of bluster, and there may be some loudmouth jackasses, and there'll be a few that get, you know, decked by Raiders fans. But they're hardcore fans. They're going to come here with money. They're going to well, make, make for a really good atmosphere. It'll be awesome. Those are the weekends we want. I don't know that we should yearn for, you know, Cincy and Carolina Panther weekends. You get my point? I do Ari. get my point. And Ari, I bet, gets your point, too. And let's keep in mind, the whole economics of the stadium are based on people coming here in massive numbers from other cities and staying in our rooms and spending money in Las Vegas. So, please, the more of you who want to come, the better. In many ways, the radio station's survival is built upon people coming here. Ari. So, am I off the 24th? Is that what you're trying to say? <laughs> Number one. Well, you know, it's great and all that because I kept going on and on and on, and then Candy followed me up. Uh, you always say you're from Philly, but you didn't chime in there to defend Philly people so because you're not from Philly. Uh, you will never hear me defend people from Philly. Unreal. Uh, when we're talking about crowds and the – What a traitor. You know what? You said it in a nice way. They're very aggressive. Yes. They're aggro. Not mean, just aggressive. Some of them can be mean, but, you know, no, no more mean. Hell, uh, L.A. has this reputation as being kind of – Softies when it comes to sports, and all they're doing now is fighting other fans and fighting each other at games. So, mm, we'll go LA, happens. I guess. Softies, softies. Yeah. Ask the Giants fans about that. I Ask know. the dude who got wrecked well. in a parking lot about that by Dodgers fans. Come on now. But you know, you hear that all the time from uh, Midwest Southerners and and Northeasterners that you know people out west they just don't like sports as much as we do. They, they like sports. Now they they misbehave just as badly, and that's not that shouldn't really be a hallmark for. Liking sports. All right, so big news yesterday. Darren Waller, Raiders tight end. He's going to get paid at some point, but he's in the midst of a contract here. He's now signed on with Clutch. Do you view this as a major problem for the Raiders who, hey, if they're going to build around Waller and extend Derek Carr and have some other high-priced players on the roster, going to have to massage and manage the salary cap, and there are going to be some guys 
uh, probably more than one making north of $17, $18 million a year. But, Cofield, it's not about money, right? It's not going to be about dollars. Who Darren Waller has representing him is going to be about ego, and it's going to be about John Gruden's ego because John Gruden's ego is the reason Khalil Mack isn't here anymore. He was not going to be shown up by Khalil Mack or by his representation, and so Khalil Mack plays in Chicago now. So the question is going to be, if Darren Waller chooses representation that is more aggressive, that is more confident, that is more demanding, well, then is John Gruden going to play along? Is John Gruden going to give Darren Waller what he deserves? Because Darren Waller is the most talented player on that roster, and it's not all that close. So if the Raiders want to continue to build around their stars, then John Gruden's going to deal with whoever walks in that door to represent Darren Waller. But if John Gruden wants to continue to be the only truly important person in the organization, then maybe this becomes a thing. Interesting case in Pittsburgh that has unfolded today with some final details. T.J. Watt. Little battle over whether he was going to be the highest paid defensive player in the league. He winds up getting from the Steelers a four-year extension worth $112 million. Did you see the Schefter story on uh, what I guess T.J. Watt said went down today? You mean the T.J. Watt hero version? Yep. Where he walked in. What's up, buddy? Yeah. Steve Cofield. He did a Steve Cofield. He walked in. Wow. And he pounded the table. He walked in and he pounded the table. All right, dude. Thanks. Yep. I got it. We got a we got a fan saying Jalen Hurts for MVP. Okay, all right, Jalen Hurts there you go. for MVP. Jalen, uh, see, do it. See, we we were way too hard on the Philly people earlier. We were way <laughs> too hard on them. Philly, Philly people aren't aggressive. Philly people aren't pushy. They just come interrupt the live radio broadcast to tell you Jalen Hurts for MVP. It's okay. He's fired up for the football season. We're all um, fired up for the football season. T.J. Watt's fired up for the football season. You know how badly T.J. Watt wants to play football? According to T.J. Watt, he walked in there and he said, Hey, I don't care, Mr. Rooney. I want to play for your franchise. Let's make that contract work. Oh, by the way, I got to go back to practice. All right, quick timeout. We'll come back. It's the Big Five at Four. Brought to you by Battleborn Injury Lawyers. 570-9000. The quarterback is always right because he's the highest paid guy on the team. Can't say anything bad to the quarterback. In fact, I played with Tony Romo in Dallas Cowboys. Tony Romo, one of the most diva-ish dudes that I've ever seen been around at that position. What up? And he wasn't even starting at the time. I think Tony might have even been on the practice squad. Major diva though. Now, back to the William Hill Sportsbook Inside Silver Sevens with Cofield and Company. Alright, Candy, Cofield, Ari. And and a guy. And, and a guy. That was perfect actually. We were just yeah. I was defending Philly fans and I'm like, yeah, they're aggro. And he was like, take it over. So he was he's super insulted that the Eagles were picked for fourth mm. in the division. Uh, he was pumping up Kenneth Gainwell, backup or third string running back, and said Jalen Hurts MVP. I mean, he's right to say they're not going to be fourth; they're going to be third. So if that makes him feel better, you know, Gi- Giants are going to finish last. All right, all right. Well, let's do it. We got our NFC picks 
on the way, so fire up the music. Let's start with the NFC East. I am going with football team. You know, interestingly, we talked about this yesterday. There hasn't been a repeat champion in 16 years in the NFC East. It speaks to the balance and the quality of the organizations. So I probably, based on that, shouldn't be picking the football team to win it. But I'm going with them. I don't like the other three teams in the division. Football team didn't really win that division last year. They just sort of outlasted <laughs> everyone to not be bad. Um, yeah, I want to go football team. I love this defense. I think Fitzpatrick was a fantastic addition, but they are going to take a major step up in quality of schedule this year, and we don't factor that in enough in the NFL. Uh, that's going to lead me to take Dallas. I think this offense is going to be able to bludgeon enough people to win 10 games and win the division. NFC North. Do you go with the Packers? Yeah, I mean, there's not a lot to say here. I mean, there's not another mildly competitive team in that division. I think the Bears are going to be one of the worst teams in the league. The Lions with the Lions. And until the Vikings defense shows me that it's as improved as some people say it's going to be, the Packers are prohibitive here. I'm kind of rooting for a bet in this one. I got the Packers when that weird weekend came around and the Packers actually dropped a one point to eight and a half. I got them at nine and a half on the, uh, the win number. The Vikes were actually the favorite for about – a day and a half until we found out that Rodgers had worked out a deal with the Packers. Right now, Packers all the way up to minus 240. Vikes are 3-1. Bears, 750. Lions, 28-1. to But I, I agree with you. I'm not – I think Vikes can be decent, but I'm not sold that they're going to close the gap between themselves and the Packers, so I'll take the Packers. NFC South. Man, I don't think the Buccaneers are a great team. But, again, this is a division where – are the Falcons good enough to get up to 10 or 11 wins? Are the Saints not going to slide back a little bit? How much are the Panthers going to improve? Who do you pick? Bucks are the division champion here until Tom Brady decides otherwise. And I, don't, I do not think the Saints are going to be all that outstanding. The Michael Thomas injury is going to hinder them and the looming situation there over the contract. And I think Atlanta can be better offensively, but the defense is still awful. I don't believe in Carolina at all. It's Tampa's division to lose. I'm going with the Bucs as well. NFC West. Hey, by the odds, Cardinals have a shot to win it. They're 6.5 to 1. Seahawks, 280. Rams, second choice at 180. Niners, plus 160. I'm going with the Rams. I'm actually not super high on the Niners until I see them get through a whole season. Not hitting the freaking mash unit, and I also want to see how the Lance Garoppolo thing works out. I have made no secret of my love for Kyle Shanahan. I think he is the best coach in the NFL. I think his offense is the most creative in the NFL. Injuries are not something that repeats on the level that they have for San Francisco from last year. I know people are high on the Rams. I got to see it. I have to see it with Matthew Stafford. He's never been a quarterback of a consistently winning team. I think they will be good. I think they will make the playoffs, but I have the Niners to win this division. All right. Wild card one. I've got Seattle. Yeah, I'm with you. Uh, the, the Seahawks are, are absolutely a wild card team, but I'll tell you what, my number one wild card team, because I didn't take them first, is the Rams. All right. Wild card two. I'm going with Arizona. Ooh, that's bold. Uh, I I do not trust Cliff Kingsbury at all. I don't think he's been <laughs> nearly the coach that he's been made uh, out to be. Trust in the Watt brothers. Trust in the magic of the Watt brothers and their storytelling. And, yes, 
Yeah, I mean, I heard J.J. Watt walked into Cliff Kingsbury's office and said he would play for free or he yeah. might actually pay him to, right. to be part of the oh, roster. Yes, yes. Yeah, yeah, same thing. Uh, no, my, my number two wild card team is the Seahawks. Um, Russell Wilson, I don't care how much Pete Carroll limits him. Russell Wilson will still find a way to limp this team to 10 wins. Wild card three. I'll admit, I was a pansy, and I didn't do a, a first uh, or a worst of first. I guess the Niners would be the obvious one. And there is one every year, and there's always a shuffling of the playoff teams. Probably should have picked some more upsets in the divisions. But wild card three, I will go with a team that's a little off the radar. I think. People are bad-mouthing them. I think Justin Fields is going to be a difference maker. And I think the Bears will get that real quickly. So I'm putting the Bears in the playoffs. Wild card three. I'm going to need to gather myself here for uh, for a moment. Um, <laughs> what, whatever yeah. you want on the other side of that, I'm there. Ooh, um, okay. But... Yeah, that offensive line is going to be one of the five worst in the NFL. I don't think they're going to protect Dalton or Fields. But I'll tell you who I do like the front seven for on the other side of the ball. It is the Washington football team. Uh, That division is going to remain mediocre. I think you're handing them a minimum of three wins with four games against the Giants and the Eagles. And Ryan Fitzpatrick is going to make a difference. Watch the health of Curtis Samuel. Came up a little bit lame this week. But McLaurin and Samuel leading the wide receiver core and that defense, I think Washington makes the playoffs as wild card three. College leans and likes in 15 minutes as Brad Powers will join us from bradpowersports.com. But up next, we'll give out our uh, NFL preseason picks on the best win totals. We'll each have uh, three or four win totals, and I, I see a lot of value on the William Hill board. Join the conversation on Twitter at Cofield & Co. I'm really excited, you know, hearing our fans and, you know, when the defense made a big hit, you know, hearing them go nuts and things like that. That was a lot of fun. But when we're on offense, just let's try and be quiet. You know, let's let's be as quiet as we can. You can clap for first downs. We don't have to go crazy. But, uh, you know, hopefully let's stay quiet on offense and save all our energy for hopefully when we score and when we're on defense. Hanging at the William Hill Sportsbook inside Silver 7s, it's Cofield and Company. Derek Carr with a message to the fans. The Raiders fans know what to do. Now, here's a question, Candy. Ticket prices have been dropping. It seems like there's a lot on the resale market. This was something we were always going to potentially face in this market where we have some Raiders fans, but most of the Raiders fans are coming from out of the market because we know in Vegas, if you win, there'll be a a voracious appetite for Raider football here. But everyone here already has a football team. Was Derek Carr in a sneaky way? kind of addressing the crowd in general, like for the opposing fans who are going to invade Raider Stadium, please be quiet. You can hope for the best if you dare, Carr. Say whatever you want, but the fact that the crowd is probably going to be close to 50-50 a lot of days in Allegiant Stadium is just reality. So you can hope that those visiting fans don't decide to come in and make a whole lot of trouble for you, but they probably will. Candy, let's go with some uh, win totals here. Lowest team on the win total board, Texans at four. Under is minus 135. Highest team, no surprise, Chiefs 12.5 over minus 115. And if I'm correct, in his entire Chief regime reign of, for most of his terror, uh, Andy Reid has actually never gotten under the win total. But now it's pushing up, 12.5. It's too big for me. I, I I believe the Chiefs should win 13 games, but in this season, with COVID still a real situation for every team to deal with, 
don't know who's going to be available week in and week out. Plus, what's to say this Chiefs team doesn't have it wrapped up by week 16 and decide to pack it in with Mahomes for two weeks? So I, I can't get there with the Chiefs. All right, give me some win total, please. All right. The, now, mind you, I don't love the prices on all of these, but these are the win totals that jumped out the most to me. Buffalo Bills over 11. It's minus 150, so you're paying a big price. But think about what it's going to take for you to lose this bet. 10-7 and seven for Buffalo would be a disastrous season. Sean McDermott might not have a job if this team goes 10-7 and seven while staying fully healthy. You're pushing out of 11. I think 12 is probably the realistic number for the Bills in an AFC East that I am down on more than most people. I don't believe in the Dolphins or the Patriots. Packers 10.5 over minus 140. That's more about the division than it is anything else. Aaron Rodgers with full health going 11-6 and six to me feels very, very possible when you're going to get four games against the Lions and what I think is going to be a pretty bad Bears team. Uh, you already heard me talk about the football team. Over 8.5, that division in the NFC East is rough. I love the addition of Fitzpatrick. I think that anyone would have been a huge upgrade over Haskins and uh, Alex Smith and I think Ryan Fitzpatrick is at least a game or two upgrade for Washington. And I'll go under on the Steelers at minus 130 for eight and a half wins. I think this offensive line is going to be disastrous. I don't think they're going to be able to run the ball at all. I think defense is hard to repeat year in and year out. And even a wounded Ravens team, along with the Browns in that division, are going to give the Steelers a lot of trouble. I'm under the Steelers eight and a half. Ooh. Is there a little lesson there that everyone uh, listening right now here? A certain trend. We're all four of your selections sporting a minus number. Yeah, you paid a little bit extra to make the bet. They actually were all minus, and you know why. I'll give you a very good reason. Uh, because Emperor Cofield sent over almost all minus prices. Well, I did, but you can take the other side. <laughs> you didn't give me the number on the other side, oh, so I'm, how are we going to take them? It's easy to figure out. Um, oh, 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 I'm sorry, Jay Cornegay. I'll get better next time. <laughs> These are all William Hill numbers. Uh, I'm actually going to go with the Niners under 10. Uh, the under actually is one of the better plus numbers on the board. Gotcha, Candy. Uh, plus, plus 150 on the Niners, 10. I'm going to go under. I'm going to go under with the Chargers, right? It's nine. I feel like the worst I'm going to do here is a push. Uh, unders plus 125, so give me seven, eight wins for the Chargers. And if what I say about the Raiders, uh, that they're going to go 10 and seven is true, then they're going to have to take out the Chargers at least once, if not twice, to get to that 10 number. So I'll go Chargers under nine plus 125. I also do not believe in the Broncos. That one has a price on the over. I'll go under. I think they're a six-win team. They're eight and a half under plus 110, and I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it. In the coaching battle between the nerds and the big galoots, no, I'm not going to go with a Mike McCarthy team, but Dan Campbell has me intrigued, baby. Oh, my God. <laughs> Lions, I always like, the team, uh, like to take a team near the bottom of the win total chart. Lions, five. Only five wins. Unders, no, check that. I want the over. Over is minus 105, so I'll take the Lions over. I, um, You're flabbergasted. Bears I'm, in the playoffs I'm, and the Lions over, which means I guess the Vikings are going to be faltering a bunch or else. I, and, and I'm not sure how the Packers are going to 
win the division in this case either. But, uh, yeah, I mean, look, what you can't factor in with all the analytics is just how many knees will be bitten, how much espresso will be consumed. Dan Campbell is a man. I love it. All right, best college football plays, leans and likes of the week. Brad Powers is on the way. Check him out at BradPowers7 on Twitter, BradPowersSports.com. And we will go back a couple of weeks when, man, Brad made one bad pick and people on Twitter got all over him. The show never ends. Watch the Cofield and Company Late Night Pod tonight at 9 o'clock on YouTube or at Steve Cofield on Twitter. It's Cofield and Company's Eye on Sports Betting with Brad Powers. Brad's coming up in a second. 77 cent beers are available. Bud, Bud Light, Mick Ultra Bottles tonight. Beginning of the NFL season, every NFL game this season. And starting on Sunday, the special, in addition to 77-cent bottles, during all NFL games, you can get a 22-ounce beer, two hot dogs, two bags of chips. And that'll be seven seventy-seven. so eats and drinks while you're watching the NFL at Silver 7s, Flamingo, and Paradise. All right, we got nine on the game. Tampa favored by nine. There actually is a nine and a half out there. 52 and a half is the total. Brad Powers breaks down college football every Thursday for us, but we know he has thoughts and generally has a play on Thursday night football. Brad, what do you got tonight? Well, I took Tampa in a teaser before it looks like teaser protection came got into play later today. So, I mean, I love teasing Tampa down through seven and three. I would still lean that way, but I mean, I'm not, just not huge on laying uh, this kind of number in an NFL game. But what's not to like about Tampa? I mean, I think you can make a case that they're maybe even a little bit undervalued. Why? Because, wow. you know, they played the first 10, 12 games of last season, you know, with a new quarterback and a COVID year where they didn't have things figured out. I think we'd be pricing Tampa Bay as, as an historically great team if we got to see a full season of Tampa Bay like we saw at the end of the regular season and, of course, during the playoffs. Let's talk college football. Let's talk the beginning of the season. You made a ton of bets in the offseason. I've seen that you made some really good value bets. We actually talked about your play on Eastern Washington against UNLV. I do want to point out, though, how obnoxious gambling Twitter gets. Uh, You and I were watching Illinois and Nebraska, in some ways for different reasons, but – I love the halftime bet that you made where the Illinois starter is out, and you're like, yeah, okay, Art Sidkowski's coming to the game. This is a nightmare. You don't get the win, and it was like an avalanche of idiots coming at you in basically your first bet of the season. Yeah, and, I mean, freezing cold takes hits me up. and I mean, I, I was stunned. I mean, people just focused on the result and not the process. And, yep. you know, I fired back and said I would turn right around and make that bet again. And to prove that, you know, I was right, I mean, uh, not necessarily I didn't win that bet, but look at what that line did the following week for Illinois. Uh, An Illinois team coming off an outright upset of Nebraska and were favored by about a touchdown against UTSA. So that line should have went up. No, what did it do? It actually came down uh, after it was, you know, Peters was ruled out. And Kowski played okay, but, you know, just okay, obviously didn't cut it. So. Uh, you know what I did? <laughs> I asked anybody else. All right, the next 100 times a quarterback goes out during a game, you take the you take that team that just lost their quarterback. I'll take the opponent, and we'll see how we do. 
It was all results-based thinking. And the, I, I thought the other one, and we'll see how it plays out, I thought the immaturity of people, and it's, it's from new gambling experts, you know, I'll put them in quotes, and other fans who were like, okay annihilating Nebraska and Adrian Martinez. It's it's one game. Relax. It's the beginning of the season. And that's the biggest thing. In in week two now, you gotta judge on overreactions. And I think one of the, the, the great ones, and you tell me maybe that's the right read. Michigan now is favored by a touchdown against Washington. Is that based off of what happened last week? Because the number when you could actually bet it, you know, a while ago was what, a pick or one? Yeah, it was. It seems pretty extreme. Uh but I'm part of the Michigan money. I laid four. <laughs> and, you know, I had a Washington ticket in the summer, so I got a bad bet. I talk about all the good bets. I made a bad bet. Here's a bad bet by me. I bet Washington plus three. It's now seven. So there you go. There's a bad bet. That's And, and the sportsbook's been holding my money on that ticket all summer long for me to have negative four points of, of closing line value. But with that said, I mean, look, there wasn't a lot of fluky things that went on in the Washington game. I mean, yeah, their quarterback threw some interceptions, but why? Because he's not that good. I mean, and you look at their running backs and their wide receivers, they're just, they don't have, you know, game breakers at either position. They got a good tight end. But, but the biggest problem I have with Washington is offensive play calling, probably as bad as any Power Five team in the country. So I'm not sure it gets better on the road at night in the big house against a pretty good Michigan defense and a Michigan offense. That, that looked better than what it did a year ago. So, no, I actually think seven's a fair number. Uh, and uh, I, I, I wouldn't lean Michigan that, but if you told me I and you could shop around against six and a half right now, I actually lean with the Wolverines at that number. Not the only Big Ten Pac 12 matchup that we have going, of course, Oregon and Ohio State. Uh, this has crossed the 14, over to 14 and a half in most spots, 63 and a half the total. Um, I kind of feel like the number says to me, hey, take a look at Oregon. Then I remember kind of what the Pac-12 looked like last week and what the Pac-12 generally looks like when you stack them up against teams like Ohio State. Where are you on this one? You know, I didn't make a a bet on the side on this one. I did go over the total earlier in the week. Uh, I I just don't see Oregon's defense stopping Ohio State. And even if they do for a while like Minnesota did, I mean, sooner or later the the Buckeye wide receivers are going to be running open (laughs) in space. So I expect that. I also expect Oregon's offense to be a little bit better, and I still worry about the Ohio State defense. I mean, they gave up over 400 yards last week and 30-plus points to Minnesota, who who doesn't have a lot of game breakers outside their outstanding running back. So I even at 63 and a half, I'd lean over. I, you know, I, I don't want to take Oregon. I, I mean, sure. You know, I, I plus 14 and a half sounds enticing, but you mentioned the PAC 12. I mentioned this, you know, on Twitter, uh, you, you, outside of UCLA, who's had a good start to the season, PAC 12 last uh, weekend went two and nine against the spread, failing to cover by almost double digits. And keep in mind, the market already tr- is down on the Pac-12 just from bad performances over the last decade, and they still failed to meet expectation by nearly double digits per game. Yeah, I mean, the fool's gold is very shiny. I just don't think I'm going to be able to get anywhere near it when it comes to uh, that Oregon team. Uh, the one that we've spent plenty of time discussing all week long is the Cyhawk game between Iowa and Iowa State. Uh, depends on where you're getting it. Mostly fours on the board in favor of the Cyclones. Some four and a halfs uh, out there as well. 45 and a half, 46 in most spots. That's come down a little bit uh, from the opener. Iowa was a team not catching a lot of love last week. Uh, do you think that the Hawkeyes have enough to hang with a very good Iowa State team on the road? 
Well, I think it's the pros for Joe's game of the week. Uh, I, I really do. And for what, you know, for once, it looks like the, the Joes are on the underdog, which really scares me because I think Iowa State's actually the sharp side in this one. Uh, just the, I think you talk about overreaction. You got an Iowa team that blew out a ranked Indiana team. Keep in mind in that game, Iowa had two pick sixes, so they're probably at their apex as far as value. Iowa State, meanwhile, almost lost outright as a four-touchdown plus favorite against Northern Iowa. So, I mean, everyone wants to throw Iowa State in the trash, and yet, here we are, Iowa State's favored for the first time in this series in 21 years. So, uh, I mean, the line just screams fishy for me. The Iowa seems too easy. I did bet Iowa in this matchup in the summer when you could have taken a touchdown. I mean, that I like. But right now, uh, I mean, if you told me minus four, I'd lean with Iowa State just because I think this is one where we get two completely different teams than what we saw last week. Talking to Brad Powers, uh, Brad Powers 7 on Twitter about college football here on Cofield and Company with Week 2 on the horizon. Uh, when we talk about overreactions, I'm curious what you think about how the reaction has been to the Texas victory in Sark's first game at home. They go to Arkansas this week, laying 7th, moved up a point or two. Um, I'm no huge fan of Arkansas, but you uh, you comfortable with Texas laying a touchdown on the road? You know, and I am on two fronts. Look, I was impressed with what Texas did last week. Louisiana, you know, maybe it's not a big-name program, but I think they're a legitimate team. In fact, I have Louisiana power-rated similar to what Arkansas was. So, I mean, a very impressive performance for Texas offensively and defensively. just looked the part. I'll tell you who didn't look the part, and the reason why I'm not jumping in on the Razorbacks is, I mean, Arkansas looked like a piece of crap for the first 35, 40 minutes of that game against Rice. You talk about a bad beat. How about having... Uh, a rice ticket, you know, plus 20 or plus 19 and a half when you got rice leading 17 to 7 over Arkansas in the third quarter, and yet Arkansas scores the game's final 31 points. Just didn't see uh, a lot from Arkansas offensively that, that, that think that they're going to have success against what looks like a very improved Texas defense. So uh, I'm, I'm not necessarily screaming value on, on the Longhorns here. I just, I think a lot of people quasi sharp are going to say take Arkansas here. I'm not one of them. Wisconsin's up to 26 against Eastern Michigan. A lot of people weren't happy with Graham Mertz last week. Well, no one's been happy with Graham Mertz dating after his first game as a starter against Illinois last year. You look at him in his last six starts, how about two touchdowns and seven interceptions? I mean, I mean, you watch Notre Dame and Jack Cohn play. I mean, how in the heck do you choose Graham Mertz over Jack Cohn? I mean, when you watch something like that. Uh, but that being said, believe it or not, I laid it with Wisconsin. I just they got to clean up the turnovers in the red zone. They should have won that game against Penn State. This seems like a game where they can really grind Eastern Michigan into the ground here. Uh, I just you know I think Wisconsin. This is one where I think they play bully ball, and maybe it doesn't look like a good bet in the second quarter. But I think by by the end of the third fourth quarter, you got running backs you know running in open spaces. I laid it with the Badgers. You laying thirty four and a half Arizona State against UNLV. <laughs> I'd lean that way, I you know. But I, I on UNLV's behalf, I mean, the the the, the backup quarterback looked like he should have been the starting quarterback, and I think that's a reflection on the head coach. To be honest with you, but when your backup comes in, all of a sudden he throws the ball down the field 50, 60 yards, uh, and then has no issue whatsoever. When you've been struggling to complete five yard passes all game long, I mean, what were you watching in practice? I mean, I need to see one play uh, for me to tell me uh, that Brumfield was better than Rodgers, but. 
Uh, I think Arizona State cleans up the, their mistakes, and uh, I, I know they didn't look great last week against Southern Utah, but I'd actually lay there with the Sun Devils. Last minute, more intriguing game to bet. Troy Liberty or Rutgers Syracuse? Well, I think both are extreme. I, I have bet both, uh, and I think they're both extremely interesting. You know, I, I call me square. I laid it with Rutgers. Uh, just because I trust Shiano over Dino Babers, even though I'm not wild about betting on a team that just won 61 to 14 due to a plus turnover, five turnover ratio. So, I mean, that's a concern there. But I thought the number would go to three. That's why I bet Rutgers just trying to get in front of a line move. And look, Liberty head coach Hugh Freeze, his entire career, we're talking 10 plus years as a head coach, whether it's at Arkansas State, Ole Miss, or Liberty, he's the most profitable coach in the country. So I know they're a little bit banged up. But give me liberty or give me death, I'll lay it with the flames. <laughs> wow, now we got really serious. Damn. Or just a, an opportunity to use that line. That was good, Brad. Brad, <laughs> Brad Power, sports.com, at Brad Power 7 up on Twitter. Good luck this weekend, and uh, don't listen to the trolls. They're, uh, they're horses' asses. In the end, you know what you're doing, and you got the tickets to prove it. Well, I appreciate that. Take care, guys. Thanks for having me on. There you go. I like Brad uh, you know, as, as much as anyone that we talk to in the handicapping world because he is one of the rare guys, Candy, that actually does put his tickets up. No one else does that. No, and he'll tell you when he loses. I mean, yep. he's not shy about talking about it. You know, the other piece of that equation, by the way, um, I was right there with Brad. I took the in-game under uh, in that one and watched it go up in flames. And you know what? I'd go right back and do the same thing again. Confident talk. I like it. Do you have a favorite play this weekend? Oh, I played the squarest, chalkiest teaser on the board uh, I took the last eight and a half that was sitting there with the Bucks and uh, teased it with the Buffalo Bills. What do you think is going to happen tonight in terms of the pace of the game? 52 and a half, too low, too high? Uh, I'd lean under. Uh, I think Tampa has, is going to have an opportunity to take the air out of the ball uh, once they build up a decent lead. All right, Candy, great job. I appreciate you stepping up. Ari, awesome job booking the show. Appreciate it. Good job from our remote tech security guard. Angel on the scene here at Silver 7s. Thanks to Silver 7s, too. Football's here. 77-cent beers, bottles of Bud, Bud Light, and Mick Ultra during all NFL games. You got to come down here and watch.